There was an idea. Dormammu, I come to bargain. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. Baskin Robbins always finds out. I for the faster baby. Are you Tony's stank? I am Iron Man. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective, the show where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie, episode by episode. I am your host, Eduardo, and I got the boys back in town again. We've got Robbie, we've got Peaches, we've got Chris. What's going on, guys? The Peach is back in town. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I'm having a hard day. Uh, one of my friends just finished her MCU watch and let me know that she watched it in um, chronological order. So I'm having trouble recovering. Oh. I'm sorry. There I are... just lost a friend. And they didn't go alphabetical order. What's wrong with them? I think she might shame. actually listen to the podcast. <laughs> but she didn't well, then she, she, she would know listening. that we don't, we don't support that. We don't encourage it. We support whatever you do. We just don't encourage it. Alphabetical only. We're trying to help, guys. We're trying to help you. If this is your first episode and no one can drag us because we had someone who last episode said, wait, but this was my first episode. So anyway, if this is your first episode and you have not watched the MCU yet, do not do chronological order. We're, we're just helping. We're not, we're not judging you or dragging you. You can do what makes you happy. The point is that won't make you happy, so don't do it. Do death count order. Death count order is correct, yes. <laughs> Solid. Start with Infinity War. <laughs> End with Endgame, since it's negative deaths. Yes. I don't know if it's necessarily negative deaths. Yeah, it is. They all come They all come back. It's, oh, so we're not I mean, counting the bad guys in part of the death count? I don't think they killed no, as many yeah, but bad it's still guys, offset yes. by half the universe versus Right, the because the, the other half doesn't die yeah. in that movie that makes sense yeah yeah, yeah 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 we don't know that maybe hulk is vengeful maybe hulk's got it out for some other planets he's never been to and he he snapped the other half of their existence yeah, that <laughs> one hulk kid johnny be... who gave me a swirly in high school he's gone <laughs> take that Goldblum, sorry you're staying snapped <laughs> yes, he absolutely that's my head cannon now he absolutely uh he snapped away the not the collector the um the collector's brother the grandmaster, grandmaster. thank you what are we talking about? <laughs> Who knows? Uh, I think we're going to talk about Mission Falcon and the Winter Soldier, episode three. Hey. Today we're going to be talking about The Power Broker, directed by Kari Skoglin and written by Derek Kostad. Creator of John Wick. Creator of John Wick, which I've never seen. I haven't I seen them. I've heard they're really good, though. Wow, have we all not seen it? I haven't seen them either. We wow. also haven't seen A Christmas oh. Story. This is crazy. We're the four people on this planet. You know what? No, that movie doesn't matter. This is an important movie we're talking about here. Uh, <laughs> the four of us haven't seen John Wick. Any Time of them. We should, we should do that, yeah. A three-episode miniseries. I agree. Uh, yeah. Also, quick take for anyone that wants to follow along the journey with Peaches and I. The show Invincible on Amazon Prime. Really cool superhero show, but also very gory. So if you're not if you're not a fan of gore, don't watch it. But if gore doesn't mind you, it's also cartoons, so it's not like to me that's a di- there's a difference there. Uh, but if there's not a difference to you, then don't watch it. It's interesting to me that that one also drops on Fridays because now I have new thing two new things to watch on Fridays. <laughs> Are you caught up? Fridays is for watching. Are you caught up, Eduardo? I am caught up. Okay. We'll talk after the show then, because 
I am I am I'm confident about something in that show too. If I like playing hmm. Doom but can't watch The Boys, can I handle Invincible? Invincible is like cartoon The Boys. But a little bit more mild. It's really just the first episode that's like kind it's of meant hard to, to like stomach. shock you. That first episode yeah. is meant to shock you, and then the rest of them are a lot more tame. That's not to say that they're not going to go back to the what they did in the first episode again. But there's a scene at the very end of the first episode that is meant to like make your eyes pop out of your head, and they do that with excessive gore. But they don't have that kind of excessive gore, I don't think, in the rest of the episodes that we've seen. Yeah, that's a content warning for y'all. Um, and and you know what? I'm glad that I saw it. They play that first episode like it's a regular superhero show. There's like, I don't think there's any swearing. There's maybe like a couple drops of blood in the first 98% of the first episode. Like w- one of the bad guys is getting punched in the face repeatedly and his nose starts to bleed a little. So you're like, that's normal. People accept a nosebleed. That's not that bad. And then the the last three minutes of the first episode happens, and then the start of episode two is like, all right, we tr- we already tricked you, so <laughs> now we're going full on gore, swearing, violence. It's all happening. <laughs> I, I think it's a really cool show. It it harkens back to a lot of older, in my opinion, DC animation. It's very reminiscent of like Justice League Unlimited, uh, Static Shock. It's got a lot of that similar animation style from that time period. Um. And so it's very nostalgic, I think, for a lot of us. Lots of good actors and actresses in it, too. Uh, Absolutely. Every time I look, there's somebody famous Mm -hmm. on the screen. Sandra Oh is the mom. Uh, Steven Yun is invincible. Uh, Mark Hamill makes his, like, superhero suit. That's Mark Hamill? That's Mark Hamill. Uh, He fights Seth Rogen as an alien in space. The Mm -hmm. animated Mm -hmm. Hobgoblin? Wow. Jason Manzukis is one of the like teen superheroes on, yeah. on the teen squad. Um, Zachary Quinto is the robot guy. Um, oh, that I didn't realize, but that makes a lot of sense. Both in real yeah. life and on the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Uh, <laughs> there are a lot of famous people on that show. So if you like that kind of stuff, Peaches and I will give our brief spoiler-free updates as we continue to watch it. But we're going to kick off today to talk all about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. A soft TV propaganda ad talks about the greatness of the Global Repatriation Council and is immediately contrasted by a GRC team led by John Walker storming the safe house the Flag Smashers had hidden in. Though Walker loses his temper, they are unable to get any information on the Flag Smashers. Are y'all still Team uh, Krabby? After watching him violently uh, press the dude into information. Do you know who I am? Yeah. I'm not, I never said he's like an actual good person. I just don't think he's a bad dude. So no, that scene didn't, actually that scene, if anything, reinforced me. um, (laughs) Because he didn't, you know, beat the shit out of the guy. Which I think is what they probably would have done if you're supposed to think, this man's becoming a villain. I, I disagree. I, to me, it's leading towards a snap. Possibly. Mm-hmm. Like, it is escalating. Uh, he gets more and more unhinged as he doesn't get his way, and it is going to eventually lead him to snapping and doing something well, stupid. And I'll go ahead yeah. and say real quick, while I, at this point, while I am still Team Krabby for two reasons, I'm starting to back away from it a little bit. Um, one, I actually think that, that Eduardo's interpretation of that scene can be valid. Um, Two, my wife, who's right about everything on these shows, says that she's team 
uh, Ed Peaches. Um, Peach Wardo. Peach Wardo. <laughs> I chose the harder one. <laughs> Ed Weeches. Um, we'll use that next time. But another, we'll, we'll switch both of ours for I'm next time. I'm pretty sure it's a Star Wars character. But another one I'll say. Oh, Ed Weeches. But another one I'll say real quick um, is last week, one of the reasons I, I, I disagreed with uh, Eduardo that the, the U.S. government will be the bad guy here is because it seems like they have the participation of the U.S. government, which I don't think. Those things don't tend to jive. Uh, but the later on in this episode where they talk about the CIA resurrecting the super soldier program, that made me think a little bit, eh, maybe maybe they're painting the U.S. government in a bad light. Maybe maybe I'm just wrong about the participation in um, assisting the show. So I'm, I'm backing off a little maybe bit. Maybe the Air Force is like, say whatever the hell you want about right. the CIA. <laughs> right. Um, so I'm backing off a little bit, but I'm not positive. Um, that said, because the show is weekly, I end up changing my opinion weekly, which is kind of weird. Um, cause it's, since it's like a six part movie, uh, what do you think about that, Eduardo? Thanks for teeing that up for me, Robbie. Uh, yeah, I, uh, look, I, we talked, I've, we've made like jokes about the whole like six hour movie format a few times already. I like to joke with Chris about it because I don't think Chris, I think Chris appreciates the, the weekly episodic format. Uh, very much, and I don't think it is doing this show any favors. I uh, I honestly think that they did absolutely have the intention of having this be a complete product, and every week I am more and more sure that they should have released it altogether, and I understand why they didn't, because money and because, you know, they got to keep people's interest or whatever the case may be, but I, I think it is a disservice to the show to not have it all be out together from what I have seen so far. Uh like I don't part of it admittedly is unfortunately WandaVision came first and we were so absolutely hooked on the zeitgeist with WandaVision that when the episodes of Falcon and the Winter Soldier end, I go, Oh, that was cool. And then I don't think about it again until I have to watch it the next week. Whereas when WandaVision ended, my mind was immediately like, oh my God, what's happening next? I need to watch the next episode. What's going to happen here? What's going to happen there? And I think it just, you can't not compare the two because we've watched them one after another because it's literally what we do on the show. Um, <laughs> and when you do that, it just, it, it doesn't it doesn't hold up. And so I, I really think it's unfortunate. And I think our opinions of the show as a whole will be much different than our opinions of, each episode individually. I agree. I'm trying to... Like, completely. Nah, y'all go. No. You. I was just agreeing. I was... I, I I was trying to think of another... Like, I can't even think of what to compare this to because immediately the action shows that I think of were dropped onto Netflix all at once. Like, I thought about Daredevil. Oh, wait. I watched all of Daredevil in one sitting. And basically every other MCU, well, Marvel show on Netflix. I, I, I just, would also argue that Daredevil did a better job episodically than this. I agree. Yes, I think so too. I think if Daredevil would have been released week by week, I I agree. I think it would have kept my interest a little bit better. Now, because picture... all of those episodes had beginning, middle, end. Like it felt very clear, except for your, you know, episode three. You hated the talking episode episode, but. That's one bad apple in, you know, a pretty good bushel. Sure. But then I'll also say, like, picture you have, picture Daredevil was episodically 
and episode three was just released, and that was all you got that weekend, and you don't get to go to the next palate cleansing episode after that. Um, or Stranger Things season two, and that the weird Chicago Eleven goes off to live to live with bad guys. Why did you remind <laughs> me about that episode? Why do I don't need to remember that episode exists? So picture that episode was all you got that week. Like, I, I'm with yeah. Eduardo. I I'm with Eduardo and Soundlord, who I think maybe should probably get in on this and defend himself or disagree or agree or whatever. But yeah, you're under attack. He needs to defend himself. Yeah, I don't know if he's why under I... attack. That's what I'm saying. But Yeah, why are you talking about me defending myself? But... I'm the one who is who was like, oh, I don't like it when they say TV show is going to be a six-hour movie. I, I was like the no, first one to no, say no, that. No, saying... Ricardo's over there like, ha-ha, I play my opinion in face-up attack position. How do you respond, Chris? Well, then never mind then. But I, I was saying, because he likes when TV shows are episodic, and I agree with that. But I also agree with Eduardo, mm-hmm. this one should not be. And I also say it maybe even shouldn't be six episodes. There's a lot of, and I think we'll get to this, there's a lot of like unnecessary filler that I just, you could tighten this up. This doesn't need to be six episodes or maybe even five. The weird thing is, is that for me, this show definitely has a lot of the six hour movie energy. This episode actually felt almost more like an episode in itself than it. This one is the one where they go to Madripoor. It starts off with them getting Baron Zemo. Baron Zemo says, let's go to Madripoor. They get some information. They meet up with Sharon. They find out about the super soldier serum. And then they leave to go to the next thing. And so it actually almost felt like a, like its own episode in ways that the other episodes have not yet. However, it doesn't feel like a complete episode because generally when you have a TV show that is written, that is a TV show, you have your A plot and your B plot. And even if they don't tie together, like one feeds the other, like, like where they come together at the end, they at least feel thematically linked. The B plot of this is what's going on with the flag smasher. And that feels like a completely different thing, and that makes it is what makes it feel like a movie because you know it's going to lead to them coming together eventually. But why did if you had taken out the flag smasher plot and put in last week's flag smasher plot, this wouldn't have felt any different. Right. So that to me is what makes it feel like we're doing the six hour movie thing. And, okay, this is it. The flag smasher thing felt like one episode. The uh, Falcon Winter Soldier Zemo stuff felt like a different episode that they glued together. Mm-hmm. And that made this episode feel like not a cohesive episode right. in itself. Even though it was more episodic than any previous episode of the show so far. I need to stop saying episode. No, the word starts to sound weird. Um, it's a weird word! <laughs> yeah, and, and I would add to that as well. Because it ends up being an episode, a self-contained episode where they, you know, this is the Madripoor episode. It ends up then just being like... <laughs> We we dragged this out and made it too much. Like Madripoor, I don't think was enough for one episode, and but we filled a whole episode with it because this was the Madripoor episode. It just, I think that it's a disservice to the episodic format, and an episodic format is a disservice to the story, both at the same time. Yeah, it's a shame, and I don't want anybody to think that we're like bashing this show and we think it's bad because it's it's literally our job to be critical of the show um like i'm still i'm still enjoying my time watching the show but i don't think i'm enjoying it nearly as much as when i was watching wandavision oh yeah Um, i am finding that and i obviously enjoy talking about it with you guys because we're here 
I'm finding that after WandaVision, I was texting everybody I knew that I had talked to about the show about like, oh my God, this thing happened. What do you think? Like there was like at least six different conversations going on on my phone after every WandaVision episode. And I find after I watch these episodes, I just do whatever else I was going to do in the day. I don't really have anything to say to most people. (laughs) I'm going to go as far as two out of three episodes so far. I have dreaded doing my rewatch to prep for the podcast. I was not looking forward to spending more time watching this show. I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't want to be, I I don't want to be negative. I would rather be a little bit positive, but if I'm honest, that's how I felt. Be honest. Well, I think part of that is the mystery box format, and that's fair. But I still think that there are mysteries in this show. And even when you watch shows that aren't mystery box, if you're really excited about them, at least for me, I shouldn't say you. I I will typically talk to people about them. And I just, I watch the episode and then I'm like, all right, well, uh, where am I at in Schitt's Creek? (laughs) Let's let's watch something else. You know, and I think part of that is... Talk about this six-hour movie format. If the episode itself is not a self-contained thing, then what you're doing is you're watching a random 40 minutes from the middle of a movie. Yeah. You don't know know what what this is. This is like if they released the Snyder Cut, but in six chapter-long episodic episodes, one after another, and then we're like, here's the Snyder Cut, the movie. That's basically what this is. Mm. Release the Falcon Cut. Yeah. Release the Falcon Cut. Just release all the damn episodes, man. Look, I I want to really like the show. I think by the end of it, I will like it more than I dislike it, but it it is making it hard to enjoy it. I think another thing, I don't think the mystery box thing, I don't think it matters that much because when you have good TV, if you're not talking about what's going to happen next, you're talking about how much of a great episode you just watched. And we can't do that because we're not getting full, complete episodes to like, not they're not, they're not like full of length because they're, they're they're long enough. It's just they're not they're not complete story wise, you know. How could I not have thought of this? Game of Thrones was a uh, show that did this well. There was not always a mystery box element to Game of Thrones. It yep. was released weekly. We always had something to talk about every single week. There was something to talk about with Game of Thrones, even yeah. before we got to the final couple seasons, and it was mystery box like. It was always holy crap! Did you see what happened in that fight? It was crazy the way these six things happened. Like, there was always something there, and almost every episode of Game of Thrones, even the crappy ones, were self-contained. Absolutely. And so I think this show uh, could use a little more of, of that. Once again, I think once we reach the very end of this, we're going to feel, I don't know if necessarily different, because I'll feel exactly the same about them chopping it up into six parts and thinking it's not good. But we'll feel different when it's a whole rather than the sum of its parts. And you can go back and rewatch it in binge mode. You right. Can, mm-hmm. you know, watch, watch it over the course of a couple mm-hmm. days. Absolutely. I think once we have full context, maybe some of these episodes will seem a little better. Mm-hmm. Uh, similarly to how, when we rewatch some of the MCU movies with full context, some of those movies and some of the actors performances were a little better than what we had originally thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think we're going to get a little bit of that with this once we reach the end. Uh, but we got to get there too. So, you know, it's kind of, I haven't done the actual math on this, but I think it would check out if you remove the credits time from both WandaVision and this, and you add up the 
full runtime of each show. I think Falcon and the Winter Soldier ends up being longer, even though it has six episodes instead of nine, because the first like four episodes of WandaVision without the credits were like 20 minutes a piece. Yeah. Mm. You're not wrong. I don't know what that has to do with anything. I just thought I'd, you know. It's still interesting. (laughs) In Berlin, Bucky Barnes meets with an incarcerated helmet Zemo. Zemo attempts to use Hydra's brainwashing words on Bucky to activate his Winter Soldier programming, but is unable to do so. Bucky tells Zemo about the super soldiers, and Zemo says he knows Bucky is desperate, and also where to begin a search. After a jump cut, Wilson, Sam Wilson yells at Bucky in a garage about wanting to break Zemo out of jail. Barnes insists Zemo is interested in helping take down super soldiers and walks Wilson through a hypothetical scenario of creating a prison riot that allows Zemo to escape in the chaos, which ends up being more of a flashback and less of a hypothetical. This was a cool scene. Yes, it was. This was a really cool opening. Yeah, I like this, yeah. Zemo arrives, and Bucky is able to, eventually, convince Sam they need him as an ally. I loved the back and forth with Zemo and them here. May I just say, and they both go, no, you may not. <laughs> and he's just, and okay. That, that's fair. My apologies. <laughs> so respectful. We are shown that Zemo is rich Sokovian royalty. Baron Zemo, actually. And yeah. with fancy cars, a private jet, and a vendetta against super soldiers. Baron Zemo also stops to grab his iconic red ski mask for the first time in the MCU. You look purple to me. Uh, you're right, it's yeah, purple. It's you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. It's purple. Purple's cool And do, do we think that there's going to be like a story behind it because the camera lingered on it as he found it? <sighs> and I don't know if that was just it going, hey, comics fans, recognize this? Or if it was actually, there's going to be some kind of story to I this. I would bet there's going to be a story, but I think both at. are possible. Even if there's not a story, I think it made sense as yeah. a, look, it's the mask. I'll be annoyed if that's all it is because you can have the same effect by having him just like grab a mask and then later on he puts it on and we get the full reveal of him that's in costume true. and the comic fans would have had the exact same feeling but lingering on the mask in the backseat of this car in his garage it's like there it feels like there's more to it. It almost feels like he wanted to pull off a robbery at one point. But he was rich, and purple is like the color of royalty. So he's like, well, if I'm going to put the ski mask on, I got to let them know that I'm also rich. I feel like there's definitely (laughs) a reason behind the mask. And also, later on, he decides, like, you know what? I'm going to go do some hot girl shit. I'm going to put on this mask and kill a bunch of guys, and then I'm going to take the mask off. Mm -hmm. What's the point of that? So I thought about that for a while. I had the exact same reaction as you of why did he put the mask on? Um, my guess is he was just trying to not be seen as killing these bounty hunters. Because he, he goes to Madripoor as Baron Zemo. And yeah. my only guess is the thought process was he's trying to not be seen as Baron Zemo as he's shooting people on top of this uh, shipping container. That said, eh, I don't really know that that matters with how they've set Madripoor up to be. I don't. I hope these dead people. I like his coat wasn't easy to spot. Right. So I think that's the internal logic of it, but I still had the exact same first reaction as Eduardo. The trio take Zemo's plane to the lawless Asian nation, Madripoor, where Zemo says they will have to go undercover for information. Now, Robbie, your point like set off a light bulb in my head about one of the things I don't like about this show. Mm -hmm. And I'll let you take it away because, man, (laughs) it like. Is not just a problem here. Yes. 
I, I, I just don't know why they spend so much time in this episode talking to us about Madripoor. It feels like every two minutes, uh, the audience is being told what Madripoor is like. Or there's some quick about, quip about the lifestyles of Madripoor. Or we're introduced to some another random short-lived character who's about to die in Madripoor. Um, and, and it's mostly what, what, what we always know you shouldn't do. It is mostly telling instead of showing. It's mostly the characters. It's almost like they're looking at the camera telling you, Madripoor's wild, y'all. And then going back into the, into the show, and it's like, and sometimes they're showing, but when they're showing, it's not particularly a good job of doing it. Yes, right. Um, it's like they're just trying to convince us that Madripoor is edgy and unique, but like, I don't need to be convinced of that. For one, I don't care. For another, honestly, it's not like you're going to say, if you had one line about, you know, the dangerous city of Madripoor, it's not like you're going to say, wait, I don't trust you that it's dangerous. You need to prove it to me that Madripoor is dangerous. I don't... By showing me nightclubs. Right. (laughs) Right. And so maybe they're trying to make Madripoor be be significant later. And that's fine. But I don't think all of this was necessary to that end. I really think if they just went to Madripoor and explained what Madripoor is later, if they use it in another MCU movie, we'll just remember that, oh yeah, that was Madripoor. It's not like... Suddenly, when there's gangs in Madripoor, the next time we see it, we're going to say, wait, there there were only some gangs last time. There weren't many gangs last time. Oh. <laughs> just, and then and there's just so many quips, like, it's kind of like New York City, but with a better nightlife, and, or, or however they said it. And then, the, the, you know, they're in the gunfight, and he's asking Sharon, hey, do you like it here? They're just over-explaining <laughs> it. It's just... It, it just feels like this could have been done better and it's entirely unnecessary it was just so much time and i'm almost confused like i almost wanted to bring this up to you guys could help talk me off the ledge of like this feels insane this feels like absolutely (laughs) insane television writing and i don't know why it's like i'm missing whenever madripoor is not on screen everyone should be asking (laughs) when can we go to madripoor (laughs) madripoor is a geographical mary sue (laughs) it's madripoochie Okay, so is everyone aware of the significance of Madripoor? We'll, we'll have to talk about Vaguely, it. Vaguely, but uh, that still doesn't I actually wasn't, change anything I for wasn't me. before All we right. talked, so I think you should make it apparent yes. to All right. the listeners. Oh, yes. Madripoor is the, uh, the first big thing, I would say even more than Evan Peters, the first big thing that um, Marvel Studios has used from the things that were for, that were used to be tied up with Fox, because Madripoor is from the X-Men comics. It is a very important location to the X-Men. It was created in X-Men. I mean, it's it's done a lot of things in the comics throughout the years, but it is most strongly associated with the X-Men. So, you know, you're going to hear a million people coming up with other X-Men theories now to the point where it feels like they're trolling, like, well, let's go to Madripoor. I mean, and it makes sense because Madripoor is a pirate haven, whatever kind of place it. Uh, so it's, it's a big deal in the sense that they're using a comics location that up until a couple of years ago, they were not allowed to use that in itself does not necessarily mean that they should keep talking about Madripoor all the time, but, but it is significant and it feels like Madripoor is going to be a significant location in the MCU going forward. So, so that's neat, but, uh, but yeah, I get that maybe they went a little, heavy on it in this episode as well especially if it turns out that they're not going to go back although i feel like they probably will sharon's there sharon's going to be a 
you know, the power brokers based in Madripoor. So it'll be an important place. The MCU is not this mean, are they? Like, they're not going to keep setting up X-Men related things and then not get X-Men on screen well, how about, at point, right? Like, would you like to hear about Selby? Yes. I meant okay, to bring so that did up, you know so thank you. There is a character from the comics named Selby who is a mutant. They were in exactly one issue of any Marvel comic ever. They were in Madripoor, weren't they? Um, I don't recall if they were in Madripoor, but it wasn't an English lady. It was a, a large man. Um, so absolutely nothing like they just used the name, but it really does feel like uh, someone's going to Google Selby Marvel later and they're going to see a character that was in one issue of Excalibur and this will drive him crazy. Yeah. When obviously Selby was Mephisto. Everything you just right. said makes me feel almost like <laughs> Madripoor is Mephisto. It's almost like somehow there's this maybe specific, maybe general plan of we're going to have mutants. They're going to be based. It's somehow going to be based in Madripoor. They're going to come from Madripoor's experimentation or something. And it almost makes me think like someone said this is what we're doing and then said hey put that in your show and then this is how they did it, it, it <laughs> because it does kind of have the vague scent of kind of how you talk about and you're correct but it, it's something that i think you have patented um how you talk about the um focus group creation of uh rise of skywalker um it mm. almost feels like kind of that not focus group but more like executive uh there's a thing you've got to have in your show and then the writer has no interest in it so just kind of like yeah okay here you go madripoor 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 i i don't know that that's for sure but it has the faint aroma of that's what's going on the faint aroma my biggest problem with madripoor is that it just kept reminding me of the better scenes in korea in black panther yes yeah. mm-hmm it just, you know, it, it just felt, you know, it's a cliche in an action movie that, oh, we have to go to the the crime town or the crime town, whatever. You know what I mean? Uh, they have to go to the shady place with their underworld contacts. It's a very, it's something that we have seen time and time again. So you have to do something to set yourself apart. And they don't really do that in the, in this. The action wasn't impressive enough. Like, like that car chase scene and the casino scene of Black Panther are both really good, really tense, just very well done. But, um, yeah, it just didn't feel, I mean, with, with a couple exceptions of some cool moments here and there, and I actually really liked, like, the shot of them coming up at Madripoor, like, the city itself looks cool. All the neon yes, colors and the dark sky and the rain, you know, it, it was visually striking. Um but there's just nothing really special enough about it to to make you feel like, oh, this is really cool stuff. It just reminded you of a lot of things that you've seen and a lot of other things, probably. Mm-hmm. And Robbie, I don't think it stops at Madripoor. God, I feel like we're just only dumping on the shelf. It's so bad. But it feels like that's just what they do with the whole series. Like, it's a lot of... Here's what we're going to do. We're going to explain to you what we're going to do before we do it. And then they do the thing that they've just explained. And it, there's just a lot of, we need to tell you everything that's happening right now because there's not too much information and not enough time. And we need to get you caught up to speed. And that just feels like 
just feels like bad writing. Yes. And they're explaining the wrong things. Yes. <laughs> um, when, I'll get into that later. Yeah, I have bad writing a lot in my notes. I don't feel like it is wrong of us, by the way, to be mostly critical of this episode. It's not like we've, we've had... Um, only positive episodes overall since the beginning of this podcast. Like we kind of crapped all over Thor, the dark world as well. Um, and let's not like Marvel's paying us to do this podcast. Fair. They, right. they could, they could Marvel, but hey. every episode's a 10. I'm going to tell you, <laughs> I'm going to tell you, it's not that I'm worried about owing Marvel. It's that every time I'm negative about something, I'm worried about how I sound to the person that likes that thing. Okay, that's fair enough. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's a thing like on Twitch. If you're describing a game and you're not having a fun time, that everybody in your chat will dogpile on that game like it's the worst thing that's ever happened to humanity. So I understand that. Listener, please have your own opinion and enjoy our opinion at the same. And time. I think you'll find that we're not necessarily saying that this is a hundred percent awful either. No. We're pointing yeah. out the things that didn't work for us. We're also going to have some things that we really liked in this episode, I yeah. think. Uh, I know I will, at least. And I, I don't think I'm alone in that. I think we've already but talked about gonna... that scene where they talk about the heist of Baron Zemo. Him yes. getting on yeah, that, like, that was a really great. cool yeah. scene. That was funny. Yeah. And I want more has, of that. Yeah, almost anything that has the word Zemo in it was a good part of this. Zemo was so good in this yeah. episode. Yeah. Uh, Angela was saying, we were talking about how she feels like Zemo and Sharon are both... 10 times more interesting in this episode than they had been uh, before. Yeah. I, I, um, Robbie made a face. I, I look forward to, I, you know, we'll, we'll certainly talk more about both disagree. those characters later. It was a shocking sentence, but I'm, I'm just pondering the sentence. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like they never quite knew what they wanted to do with Sharon, yeah. which is a bummer because she's a very important character yeah. from, the comics and she's peggy carter's nice i know we're talking about her later so i'm gonna spend that time thinking about how i feel about that yeah yeah and and zemo and i think zemo was a good villain in civil war but he was also not the point of that correct uh so getting to see him as a character in this was a delight (laughs) he's having two i one thing i wrote was that he's enjoying himself too much Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> because the the scene where where Sam has to drink the the snake bite or whatever right. the the you know snake juice I don't know what to call it snake juice but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, he goes oh smiling tiger your favorite mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like he's enjoying it so much yes and 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 man the part where he's I guess this is we're gonna soften things with what we like when he's talking about Marvin Gaye um, and it is and he's he's <laughs> just. Very even-handedly, it's we've perfect. Got, we've it got captures the African American like, experience. Just talking introspectively about uh, about Marvin Gaye and and making Sam angry that he agrees with Baron Zemo. It, he's out of line, but he's yeah, right. He's, he's <laughs> one of the and it's fantastic. And they also yeah. turned him into sort of Baron Zemo. I think a satisfactory. Uh, if you if you have not, we've talked about this on the podcast before. If you have not listened before. Do know that if you do not know the source of Baron Zemo in the comics, know that he's basically a replacement of Red Skull, who's not an actual Nazi. And his origin story is literally that Captain America spilled glue on his head. So, uh, <laughs> we don't really want Baron Zemo actually from the comics in the MCU, and I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but they I, found a good way of creating Baron Zemo. It's some very light retconning, but very, 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 very light in a way that's 
not jarring, which is something we're going to talk about in this episode. He puts on the mask. He's an important, powerful character and exactly what, what uh, the Lord family said. He's enjoying himself too much. It's really entertaining. Um, so I'm very I, happy. I saw one comic writer uh, who's written a lot for Marvel, Jim Zub, um, say, oh, okay, I can see this Zemo being the Zemo that starts the Thunderbolts. And yes, I would love yes. for them to be going in that direction, like building up to the Thunderbolts with Zemo. They won't be able to pull off the twist like they did in the comics, where in the comics it was a twist that the Thunderbolts were all villains and that their leader was Baron Zemo. Right. But it's one of those things that everyone knows now, like Rosebud. But yeah, it would be fun to to start going. I, I hope that Zemo is going to become a significant presence in the greater MCU. Because I agree. we've talked about this a million times, that there are a lot of villains that have been kind of wasted. Like, aside from Loki and Thanos, who really had a constant significant presence across many movies and it would be nice if zemo could could have and one of what i liked civil war one of my concerns about civil war was it felt like zemo was in that list of wasted wasted villains and i did not see them unwasting him quite this uh as well as they are here yeah yeah i think it was important that they i think it was a deliberate choice not to kill him off at the end Mm -hmm. of that movie in Madripoor, Sam is styled as a crime boss known as the Smiling Tiger, while Bucky acts as though he's still the Winter Soldier, and they, with Zemo, make their way to a seedy neon low-town bar escorted by armed bikers. Did anyone look up what the Smiling Tiger looks like in the comics, by the way? Yes. No. Weird. Yes. He's like an actual like tiger-human hybrid or something like that. Uh, <laughs> we're getting all the animal hybrids mm-hmm. <laughs> in this with Joaquin Torres. That's all I will say about that for right now. He was a Thunderbolt, though. He was a member of the Thunderbolts. He looks like Electro had a baby with anybody in a full leather superhero suit. (laughs) Kind of a throwaway line, by the way, but with uh, Sam saying, oh, I look like a pimp, and... And him saying only only an American... Or Zemo saying only an American would think that a fashion-forward black man looks like a pimp. But that was kind of an interesting... Like, how did we get woke Zemo? Like, <laughs> it's like he's like, how did he know? How does he know so much about race relations in America? <laughs> I would like to know the Sokovian Baron. There wasn't as as much of the like social awareness uh, type stuff in this episode, so I really liked that line because it was almost like people calling. It was almost like Marvel calling out people. I'm sure so many people right before Sam said the line saw that outfit and thought that exact thing. And I mean, Baron Zemo going, only if you're uncultured, you would think that. And I bet so many people went, <laughs> While Sam attempts to play his role, a thug tells Zemo he's not welcome in Andropor, an order of the on order of the power broker. Zemo says the power broker is judge, jury, and executioner, but he only knows him by reputation. With Zemo acting like he has Bucky under control, the Winter Soldier lays waste to a group of thugs. During the fight, a figure in a hoodie ducks away from the bar. Now, Chris, we all know your Winter Soldier bias, and uh, it definitely seems like there's some some Winter Soldier is left in Bucky. Yeah. I mean, I guess you don't unlearn how to be a trained assassin. 
even if it was while you were brainwashed. You still have that. Uh, so it, I think it's an interesting question that they bring up because when Zemo first sees Bucky in this episode and he starts going through the the Russian activation phrase and he goes, I know it's not going to work. I just wanted to see how the new you reacted to the old words. And, you know, that was interesting. And, and you know, Bucky doesn't even flinch at that. And, but he's ordering him around like he's the Winter Soldier in Russian. He's like, Winter Soldier, attack. Winter Soldier, do this. Winter Soldier, do that. And uh, the way that he he even has that little dig at Sam where he goes, oh, well, he fell into the old ways pretty quickly, didn't he? And Sam seems pretty disturbed by it. I would argue Bucky seems a little disturbed by it when it's all over, but it almost seems like he just kind of goes on autopilot there. So it's not that he's necessarily being controlled. I, like, I, I don't think that he is being controlled. Uh, but I think that even with whatever Shuri and her team were able to do to kind of break Hydra's hold over him, something in there remains. And I think it's going to be interesting, hopefully for the rest of the series and potentially going forward. Bucky, he's grappling with all this. He's not going to therapy right now. You know, there, I think that there's a lot there that's going to be really interesting to explore. I don't really have any, too many deep thoughts on it just yet, but it, it, I'm interested to see going forward you know, how much Winter Soldier is still in Bucky's brain. I don't know if any of you have any thoughts about that. I didn't think too in-depth on it. I just thought he was playing the part, and he knows how to fight, so he was fighting. Uh, it didn't seem to me like he got too uh, into it. I don't know if that's the right phrase. Like, I know Sam at the end asks, you good, man? But he didn't, to me, seem like he wasn't good. He just yeah. I mean, he held he back. Was he wasn't killing anybody or anything. Yeah, like I don't know. I I kind but of it's... tend to lean more towards Chris. I think it seemed really brutal. Uh, the way he would, even if he wasn't killing people, he was dispatching them incredibly brutally. And part of it was he was playing the part, sure. But I think a theme of this show as a whole is him struggling with his humanity and deciding whether or not he is. Wow, food just spilled out of my mouth. If he is the monster that so many people claim for him to be, right? And so I think it just makes sense that that's something that he is struggling with in this episode, just from what they have given us so far. I'm not. I'm not over here saying that that's not the case either. I'm just saying to me that fight scene didn't feel that intense, considering in the very first fight scene, Sam blew people up with a grenade yeah. like yeah like sam yeah. actually killed people sharon killed people in this episode literally everybody other than bucky has killed people outside of flashbacks that's true yeah i think so that's, that's a good point yes. i think that scene can be written either way um i just i agree with eduardo that it is a core part of this series it seems of sam or sam bucky struggling with his humanity and how much winter soldier is he. So I think that scene yeah. is meant to be important, whether, whether they were successful or not at it is, is another conversation, but I think that scene is meant to be that. Yeah. It definitely feels like that's the intention of the scene at least. Yeah. The fight gets the trio to a meeting with a crime boss named Selby. Zemo tells Selby he wants information on the super soldier serum, 
offering her control of the Winter Soldier in exchange. Selby tells Zemo he is looking for Dr. Wilfred Nagel, a man who had figured out how to reproduce a serum and is working for the power broker. When Selby starts to discuss more information, Sam's sister calls him, and despite his best efforts, uh, it blows the group's cover. Before Selby's men can kill the group, an unseen shooter kills Selby. While the group tries to escape, word gets out saying they killed her, and the thugs in the street start to attack. I have to interject here. I, I, I don't usually complain too much about characters doing stupid things, but are you telling me that Sam Wilson... Avenger, military operative, brought his freaking cell phone with him. And had roaming turned on. (laughs) And didn't turn it off, didn't put it on airplane. He got in disguise, didn't leave his phone on Baron Zemo's plane, put it in his coat pocket, and had it set to vibrate really loudly so that his sister could call him when he's in the middle of an operation. I refuse to believe he's that stupid. And if we're, I, I don't normally get upset about stuff like this because I, I know you have to take, you know, a, a couple liberties, but that was, that felt really out of character and irresponsible and stupid. And I don't think Sam Wilson is stupid. If you didn't say it, I was I, going to. I, I agree. And, and Angela, put out, she, she said that felt like, like Scott Lang's, phone going off when ghost and Lawrence Fishburne were questioning him. And it was like, and you're supposed to think that Sam is a bit, you know, that's in character for Scott, not for Sam. And then I remembered that Ant-Man beat Falcon in his first movie. So it's a good point. (laughs) Maybe Scott Lang should be captain America. (laughs) It'd be funny. It'd be really funny if he was, because whenever he shrunk or grew, the shield would very proportionally not. (laughs) (laughs) This tiny guy running around with the shield. Or a really big guy throwing, like, the equivalent of a thimble at something. <laughs> Bro, look, you're just preaching the choir here, man. Like, you're, you are trying to bring my fantasies to life. I, <laughs> you have no idea. Does Paul Rudd have America's ass? That's a serious question. Paul Rudd has had the same America's ass for the past 20 years. Okay. And cool. he will yeah, continue he to not it. age for the next 20 years. That's fine. As long as he's he, got America's ass. He looks like ass. he's been frozen in ice yeah. for... Yeah. The group is cornered, but are rescued by the shooter, who turns out to be the hooded figure at the bar. When she takes off her hood, it's Sharon Carter, who tells them she's had to live on the run since she helped Sam escape in Civil War. They follow Sharon to her hideout, where she reveals she's become an art hustler, since she's unable to get a pardon since she's not an Avenger. Sam agrees to try and get her name cleared if she helps them find Dr. Nagel. Uh, Robbie, you want to ask us all a question here because you wrote in the notes, Robbie would like to ask the room a question. <laughs> yes. So I'm, I'm going to defer to you so you can ask us a question. I, Well, we all said basically the same thing in our discussion after we first watched this. And I know we have somewhat slightly varying reactions to how much we enjoyed this episode. But all of us basically agreed that we were a little bit jarred out of this episode. There was it just didn't sit right, didn't feel I, I don't know. Not I don't mean this in a confusing way, but that easy to follow. It was more of a why are they doing that from a standpoint of show design, unless a why are do, doing that from a mystery box standpoint. 
but in terms of you know writing and direction more. Um, but at the same time, we all kind of struggled. Like we came up with some ideas of why this wasn't sitting well with us, but we weren't necessarily able to like easily put our fingers on why. And so I brought up ahead of time, I wanted to talk about this on the show. I wanted us to do our research, to think about why. Um, and I'm really just interested in if your opinion changed and if not, does anyone have any reasons or have we thought of the reasons for why this wasn't sitting right with us and kind of jarring us out of the show? Um, I know Peaches does. Yeah. Aside from the criticisms that we already have had, the reason that this episode feels weird is because it's an episode of (laughs) Scooby-Doo. No, I'm serious. Hear me out. This episode is Scooby-Doo, but we haven't gotten to the villain reveal. The episode is called Power Broker. We've got Mystery Inc. in the form of our three, two and a half heroes, right? And they're going around trying to figure out who the power broker is. And we never get the satisfaction of them taking the mask off of the werewolf. We don't know who the villain is. The episode is called Power Broker, so we think we might. But this mystery is set up where maybe whoever Power Broker is was around them, helping them the whole time. But we don't know yet because we stopped halfway through an episode of Scooby-Doo. And I Who stops a- halfway through an episode of Scooby-Doo? <laughs> it's it's like Mystery Inc. just hasn't gotten to the, the solve yet. They don't have their Velma. They need Velma. And I would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for those Avengers and their villain. I know that sounds silly and it like makes it seem not complicated at all, but that's what I thought of was like, we still don't know what's going on, but not in a fun way like WandaVision. Right. It was, they started setting something up and then they just like let it hang. Like, I, I don't, I don't know how to describe how it's different than WandaVision. Maybe just because the episode overall didn't do it for us in combination with a weird cliffhanger, but I, someone bring them some scooby snacks i don't i don't know how to help them at least the the wandavision episodes that had like a mystery hook at the end it was so like the first episode you watch a sitcom you're like why is it like a sitcom and then you back out and someone is in a sword base watching and you're like oh that's interesting Mm -hmm. the second episode we've gotten someone from the outside trying to reach her we've gotten weird splashes of color and then of course the show becoming color at the end it it always felt like the ending was propelling you forward to uh, the story forward of now I want to see what happens next. Whereas this one just ends with them going, okay, well, the person we're looking for died. That's Oh, that's also true. Man. Man. And, and we get so little about that person. We know that they're a lead yeah. and that's it. Like, it's just... Oh, I guess that's where the... I guess I was wrong earlier that the Flag Smasher story does end up... Yeah, I guess you're right. But it's, Falcon it's Winter done in story, such but... a... I don't know, uninteresting, subtle, and I don't mean subtle in a good way. Like, I can't, I I mostly can't think of the word. It's just done so under the radar that we didn't even think about that being their connection. Yeah. Peaches, I think you're right. Uh, I think that's a hilarious way to frame it, but I think you're right. Um, (laughs) I'd also say Sharon Carter, um, who hasn't even showed up yet, but I think part of it is, I think I agree with Angela. I think this Sharon Carter is more interesting. I also think it's a completely different person. It is um, like they just created an original character named Sharon Carter uh, that has the same face and hair, but nope, that's not Sharon Carter. It, it's just... 
And and they're trying I, to explain I would like how to know she became... more about what happened in the last five years because I I got the sense that she's a, a blip survivor. Yes, I did too. Uh, because I feel like she wouldn't have been able to have built up right. this art gallery or whatever. And obviously, people can evolve and change in good and bad and extreme ways. And so it's not so much that in the real world that wouldn't happen to Sharon Carter where her personality changes that much, but how fiction works, if you are not showing me, remember we said show, don't tell. If you are not showing no. me why this is a different, awful, annoying person than the Sharon Carter we last saw, more interesting. I do agree with, with Lady Sound on this. More interesting, but a completely different person than it is going to take me out of the show. It is going, I'm going to have to sit there and try and justify to myself an explanation for how Sharon Carter became this person because I didn't see how Sharon Carter became this person. And assuming that that explanation comes, that's, again, uh, another thing. Right. Or if we were watching this all at once, right. you would have that explained right. as opposed to, I have to wait two or three right. weeks to understand exactly what put her in this and place. Like, I mean, you get a little bit of it again, but it's all discussion. It's all, I had to do this and I had to do that. Right. And Madripoor does an extra Like, uh, the way she's dragging Bucky for, it's it's bad dialogue. It's, and, and I think it's, I don't think it's the actress. I think it's the actress doing what she wanted with what, what she could, what was written. The way she's, yeah. and, and you, Bucky, you've always been into that star-spangled superhero crap. It's just, it's like yeah, I could write an entire. Really? There can be a whole television tropes page on this entire on just this conversation that would be not positive. It's. Just, I did like Bucky saying, "Oh, so she's awful now." Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't catch that line the first time. When I saw it the second time, I thought it, it almost felt like, "Wow, Sam Wilson is just speaking to the audience here." It's just. Yeah. I, and I'm sure there's other other and and exactly what we talked about with Madripoor. Um, the the weird the weird um, party scene the, the the rave scene which is okay I'm I'm with everyone that thinks that fist pump and Zemo is awesome but that doesn't mean that scene was awesome it, it just it's so much of this is just so weird and then then they all get blown up in a trailer and no one stops to talk about the fact that they don't have a scratch on them they just pop up in a, in a firefight that frankly does not feel thrilling or like there's actual stakes or fear. Um, and then they drive away in a car. It's just... Eduardo... Well, we got the crowd-pleasing callback to Civil War. So that was, that that was okay. one of those weird moments where <laughs> I expected the... Explo like, you know how sometimes in, in action sequences mm -hmm. they show something dramatic like an explosion, mm -hmm. but the heroes actually had more time to get out of there than we thought? Mm -hmm. That's what I thought was going to happen. And then they all three walk out of the burnt as shit right. shipping container. And all of them look like they just had all their makeup reapplied. Right. <laughs> and, and Eduardo then was talking about Zemo putting on his mask for, I don't think it's no reason, but I think I had to stop and think about the reason because it doesn't immediately make sense. And I still barely think that maybe it makes sense. It just, oh man, I feel so harsh, but I just think the writing was not good. I think the overarching story is good. I think the relationship, I think the the Bucky Falcon thing is great and Zemo makes it even better. That is the show. That core of Bucky and and um of Bucky and Sam doing their their uh buddy cop thing with their their sprung mildly retcon supervillain like that's that's great. It's entertaining. All the writing around that in this 
I, I just, it just kept dragging me out of the show. And I spent so much time thinking about this. And I'll be honest, as we ended the episode, I thought, okay, I'll get through it. I'll rewatch it. And I'll like it more. Nope. Had the exact same feeling the second time we watched it. So, and I'm, I'm happy to hear you guys kind of pegging it down. Um, and, oh, and, and it, bluntly, it's kind of hard to follow what the Flag Smashers are doing. I, I pieced it through, but it was like, okay, why? Like the, the tuberculosis death, that was a flashback, right? But we're not, right? That was a flashback. No. 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 That was because, real time. Okay. Yeah. I'm saying four See? words. Four words. Unfinished Scooby Doo yeah. episode. Yeah. I also thought, Robbie, since we're going to talk about that right now, that that scene with them blowing up the container and everything, I also thought just before that was really jarring too, where she's like, there are a bunch of bounties on right here outside. Like, you guys need to get out of there now. And then it cuts back in there. And they're like, all right, doctor, take your time. In your own <laughs> words, please tell us. <laughs> What's going on with the super soldier serum? And then it cuts out, and then there's all this action. They're like, all right, doctor, I'm going to give you at least three more minutes. So please <laughs> just compose yourself as best as you can. Bargain bin Lex Luthor yes. over here. Also, also, why are they not out there helping Sharon? They don't all three need to be. They are literally superheroes. And they're just Zima, letting... you're the one most likely to murder someone. You go help her. Right. Also, also jarring. It it fits that Sharon Carter would be killing bounty hunters. Like, like it's not that mm. that doesn't fit in her character. And this is something we have talked about. But it it is weird when the MCU goes there, especially how she was dispatching people. Like the way she was just ruthlessly killing people. You know, someone who was an upstanding hero the last time we saw her on screen. And I'm not saying it was self-defense. I'm not going to get into the morality necessarily of what she was doing. But I am going to talk about it was feeling more real and less heroic than the MCU normally feels. And it did, it was again, was just like, man, the violence was just kind of, I think it was Peach that in one of our previous episodes said, oh, so they're killing, killing people in this one. It's just, I think hold it was about an iron man. Hold on to those thoughts for my latest surveillance storking <laughs> coming up later in the episode. Uh, I don't think it's a surveillance stork. I spoiled yeah, myself. No, I don't think it's a surveillance um, stork. <laughs> I just, uh, man, I, yeah, you're right. That whole scene is, and we haven't even gotten to it, but that whole scene is just, what is, is this the show I signed up for? I don't, and you're right, Eduardo. She's out there on her own fighting bounty hunters. And they're in there, you know, literally <laughs> Avengers are in there like, so what, what happens next? Can you, can you talk about how the soldier serum made you feel inside? It, it's just. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like a god. <laughs> uh, man, I feel so mean right now. <laughs> Sharon is able to locate Dr. Nagel's hideout in a shipping yard. Sam, Bucky, and Zemo corner interrogate him while Sharon stays outside and fights off approaching bounty hunters. Nagel explains he worked for Hydra but wasn't able to create a stable serum until he was recruited by the CIA after Hydra's fall and given blood samples from what we assume to be Isaiah Bradley. He says just as he finished his work, he was dusted by the snap. Upon returning, he was hired by the power broker. 
He made 20 vials of the serum, but they were stolen by Carly Morgenthau. At the end of this story, Nagel is murdered at gunpoint by Zemo. A missile launched by a bounty hunter destroys Nagel's lab, but the group escapes with barely a scratch, then gets away from a gunfight in a car driven by Zemo while Sharon stays behind. (laughs) Sharon's driver picks her up, and Carter tells the driver, we have two big problems. Uh, Peach, we're going to get to your point here in just a moment. I thought Zemo was going to get away. Like, I thought, oh, this is where Zemo breaks off from them, and then we're going to eventually have some sort of clash with them and Zemo. And then he just coincidentally found a car and picked them up in said car, and then they were able to just leave. He's got car summoning powers. (laughs) Superpowers that he has cars in every continent. That's a good superpower. Yeah. He's he's Jay Leno. The problem is if, if I was normally watching this, I would have sat down, I would have watched this show once, been like, eh, not my favorite, but yeah, it was, you know, kind of par for the course, and I would have just moved on and not thought about it again, but every time we go over this, and I watch it again, or we talk about it again, I find another thing I didn't like, and I, (laughs) it just feels like we keep, like, I keep going, oh man, I also didn't like this, and then I also didn't like the way they did this, and it just... It Are your rating is dropping as we talk about it? Do what? <laughs> is your rating dropping as we talk I about it? Like I'm it thinking is. about knocking it down. I feel like I'm it thinking is. about knocking it down. And it makes me I don't know why we feel so bad about this cuz I I'm with Robbie like I feel bad about being this negative, but also like I think it kind of deserves it. Like I just don't think I unfortunately don't think it is up to the high caliber that the rest of what we've gotten recently is up to. Right. But Peaches. Sharon Carter. But Peaches. Yeah, so, okay, I think maybe that I am falling into the trap that they want me to fall into. And and when I said this to you guys, I thought that I was really slick. But it turns out most of the internet is saying this too. So I don't really like thinking the same thing as the rest of the internet because Mephisto is Don Cheadle's forehead, uh, forehead wrinkles. But... um. If you don't know what that is, let me let me quickly, I can't say something like that and not explain it. There was a post somewhere online where in the scene where Don Cheadle is watching Sam deliver the speech about the shield, he has his eyebrows wrinkled a little bit, and there are creases in his forehead that might look like the letter M. And so someone on the internet was like, Mephisto confirmed, it's Don Cheadle. No. Anyways. <laughs> no. I swear to God that's real. Uh, everybody look I- it up. So I like to hope that was a joke. <laughs> I hope so too. So anyways, I might be falling right into their, their trap here, but Sharon Carter is going to be the power broker, right? Like I'm not, you don't have to answer that yet. Let me, let me tell you all of the reasons why she is the power broker. So clearly we've talked about this. Her morality has changed since we last saw her, right? She's since she's been put on the run, she has gone from a person that supports the good guys to like an art dealing like rich in the background for shady reasons juggernaut right it's very mysterious that when our three uh main characters go to the bar in madripoor to find information on the power broker that they as zemo said had guardian angels watching over them and keeping them safe and then sharon shows up uh it's kind of weird when 
they ask her for help to try to find where the power broker is. She just like knows. And we can boil that down to, yeah, we're not going to show you the 40 minutes of phone calls that Sharon made to find the power broker. Like I get that, but both of these scenarios check out. You can either, I don't want to show you the 40 minutes of phone calls or she just knew where the guy was because they work together in the comics. We talked about this vaguely last episode, but in the comics, Power Broker, while they have a name that sounds like one guy, Power Broker is two guys. Power Broker is the guy that runs the power broking and the scientist that creates the serum. The In the comics, Power Broker is Curtis Jackson and Dr. Carl Malice. The guy that they found in the shipping container is not named either of those. His name is Wilfred Nagel. So clearly, they are choosing people to represent Power Broker that don't match the source material of the show. So the other person could be anybody. It doesn't have to be one of the people that's from the comics. Um, And the big tell at the end is when um, Sharon Carter says that she has two big problems. Well, what are those big problems? The big problems, one of them is that Mystery Inc. is here to solve the case. Uh, she, she has people that she knows are would be powerful to have as enemies, and they are trying to figure out who she is. The other problem is that the guy that made her super soldier serum is now dead. Those are her two big problems. How is she going to solve them? We don't know. But like I said earlier, it's weird that the episode is named Power Broker. Let's dial back for a second. The previous episode was called what the star spangled man and that episode was mostly centered around john walker so we get another episode named the power broker and then we never meet the person i think we did meet the person i think the person was under our nose and in front of us the whole time and it was sharon carter um and if that's the trap they want me to fall into that's absolutely fine Uh, I've seen other theories on the internet about who the power broker might be, and none of them really do it for me. The internet, some of the internet thinks it might just be Baron Zemo. Eh, It's kind of convenient. Some of the internet thinks that it might be Thunderbolt Ross. Personally, I find Thunderbolt Ross, this is kind of like one of those lame things or things that Robbie said was lame when he was talking about the military involvement last episode. I feel like that actor just plays ross as a side character so often that it would be weird that he would suddenly have a more mainstream role in this show like yes he was in hulk a lot but then since then he's been in like three minute snippets of various mcu things over the course of time i don't think that he would be the power broker even though he does do a lot of work with super soldiers i don't know it just seems it seems like sharon is the one to me you guys think I'm crazy? Nope. You, you can. No, no, I don't. I gun to my head, I'd put money against it um, because I I think it's a like you said a falling into the trap thing. But like, I really don't want to put money down at all, and I absolutely don't think you're crazy. This is not a surveillance stork thing. Um, yeah, I think she's a very likely yes. candidate. I Thunderbolt Ross, I think, is out of left field. Um, that one's interesting. 
another theory on the internet was that it's John Walker. Like John Walker is doing no, the Captain America not. thing and power yeah. broken. I, I, I will up. put everything against that. Um, yes. And and Ross is not the kind of villain the power broker is. Ross is a villain no. in, you know, grizzly general who is going to take out what he thinks is a threat. He is not create super soldiers for villainy villain. Like that's not what Thunderbolt Ross is. Um, yeah. He's more like he's more like what we've talked about John Walker being as a villain, um, and you know we don't still we still don't really even know what the power broker is planning on doing the serums because right. uh, the flag smasher stole their that's serums. True, and then I, I completely agree with you. If it's Zemo, like that's incredibly boring. But I don't think they would do that. I don't think they would say. I don't think they would. I don't think they would introduce. Um, a new villain and say he's also this old villain. I think. Yeah, that would be yeah. weird. And, and <clears> not that villains, character. not that villains can't work like in shows. It's not like they can't operate out of prison. Like right. Kingpin operates out of prison all the time. Hmm. Um, but it would, it would just be kind of weird yeah. to, to be fair. He also fits into the bucket of, he was one of the main characters of the episode. The episode was called the power yes. broker. So he also fits under that category but i i it just doesn't seem right to me i think you are not crazy at all the only reason i hedge against it is i i think the power broker is being set up as actual villain and i don't think they're going to do that with sharon carter um oh the other thing that i thought of that i hadn't written down mm -hmm. they in in their many 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 descriptions of the life in madripoor they talk about how there is a high town and a low town in Madripoor and how the power broker operates out of high town and that's where the rich people live, et cetera, et cetera. And Sharon Carter just happens to have a place in yeah. high town that they can crash in. Yeah. I, Not that there's only one person that has a place in high town, right. but it just lines up. I, the other reason I hedge against it is I don't think this show is operating from the standpoint of, plot twists it was the person who was on screen all along I, I if i had to put money on anything i think we're just going to get some random dude we've never seen before who says i am the power broker but it wouldn't be a plot twist that much if they put all of the pieces so openly in front of us Potentially. like i just laid them out yeah. I, and, like it would be a twist but it wouldn't be that twisty of and twist. i'm not necessarily like, oh, i'm not arguing with you from the standpoint of peach you're wrong i'm trying to shut you down and kill your theory no, i'm no. arguing from the standpoint of Mostly just being devil's advocate. Sure. Anyway, there's my stork. <laughs> I don't think it's a stork. Yeah, I don't think it's a stork. Yeah, it feels like they at least want us to entertain that possibility. Mm -hmm. I mean, at the very least to me, it looks like she works for the power broker, but it's also possible she is the power broker. Like, mm -hmm. Ooh, her working for the power broker isn't something I thought of. Yeah, right. but that that would line everything up the same way. It exactly. would just be a slightly different hierarchy. Yeah, yeah. Maybe so Sarah. I think she is somehow broker. related to the power broker. Yes, or is the power broker? Sarah's the Sarah's power, the power broker. broker. Can't afford her shrimp boat. Naguchi is <laughs> but... the power broker. Naguchi is that his name? <laughs> yeah. Stanley Gucci. No, the the elderly dude that Bucky's friends with. Nakajima. 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 Thank you. Agnes is the power broker. There it is. Mephisto. Yeah. Um, the, the, the one 
I, I'm I'm currently right now leaning towards Sharon as the most likely suspect of people that we've seen in the show so far. Uh, the one that I've heard people talk about on the internet that I kind of like, that I feel like I actually made fun of uh, last week, but now for real, uh, is that it could be Arnim Zola, who survived on a backup drive somewhere. And that's because of there's an A on... There's an the, A on John the, Walker's helmet. U.S. agent costume. Captain Arnim like John, John Walker has Arnim. an A for Arnim, yes. But, but, uh, but yeah, he has knowledge of the super soldier serum. And also, from a storytelling perspective, he made the Winter Soldier. He's the one who experimented on Bucky, did all these things. And that is a, uh, an angle that we have not really explored is Bucky coming face to face with the people or person who made him the way he was. And I think that actually just from an, I just from a storytelling perspective of what could be some interesting stuff to get into, I feel like that, that alone would actually make it uh, an interesting choice. Yeah. I like that. And I like it for a couple other reasons. Um, not only do I like it from the standpoint of that would be interesting, but also Something I meant to say earlier, when they brought in Sharon, it felt like they had this original character they needed for the show, but it's like, no, we need to be, bring in people from Captain America movies, so make it Sharon. Like, that's what Sharon feels like in this episode. That would also be a reason for bringing back Ar- Arnim Zola. That would be another Captain America character that we can bring into Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So I think that's, um, I-, I think exactly for what you said, and and additionally, that making sense. And then that's one that you can do that's kind of a reveal, but it's not from the standpoint of this, it, you know, it's not an Agatha all along standpoint. It is a, um, it was uh, this character you thought was gone twist. Uh, yeah. I, I think there's a lot to that. That's a good one. Yeah. It's one that could make sense if they do it right. So while I'm not putting my money on it, it's one that I could see happening. And I think I would be, pretty happy if it if it worked out that way right my the final four in my who is um <laughs> in who in my who is uh the power broker bracket is random nobody arnim zola sharon carter and sarah <laughs> oh that's cinderella story yes <laughs> yeah sarah was an 11 she, seed yeah she had to play in yep, to the yep, tournament and still yep, somehow and almost knocked off arnim wow <laughs> As Carly and another member of the Flag Smashers scout a GRC supply building, they discuss how they got jobs security in Madripoor, which is where they encountered the serum. John Walker uh, and Lamar Hoskins investigate the prison Zima broke out of. They both suspect it was Sam and Bucky, and Walker says they will be following them off the books to lead on the Flag Smashers. Did we ever cover them, the whole Carly grieving over the person passing away? Donya. I reference it later in the notes, but I didn't write the scene in the outline and where it comes up in the episode. Got it. It felt, every way I tried to write it in, it felt weird, which I guess comes back to a lot of what we've talked about with this episode. The Flag Smashers finish a nighttime raid of the GRC supply, and as they leave, Morgenthau leaves behind a car bomb, telling her partner violence is the only language the GRC understands. And now, the Flag Smashers so far have been... Uh, 
I think intentionally confusing in some ways. Like they're intentionally trying to steer us into they're bad guys, but maybe they're good guys, but maybe they're also still bad guys. And so Chris, I think your their motivations can sometimes be a little confusing. Yeah. I I don't understand them still. It, it, and I think part of it is that I don't understand the GRC either. If they are two groups that are opposed to each other, and I don't understand either group, then I'm not going to understand what's going on. And maybe I'm stupid. I don't know. Uh, if, if someone can explain it to me, please do. Uh, they've tried to bring us into this post-blip world, and I'm still just a little unclear about how are people displaced? Was it the GRC was like kicking people out of houses saying this house used to belong to someone. They got dusted. They get their house back. Now you have to go live in this displacement camp. Um, one, that's a pretty half-assed way to deal with, with this repatriation. Um, you would think that there, you know, be better places to put people in, into camps, but also I guess I can sort of see governments taking the easy way. Um, but we haven't had that explained to us yet. So I so I don't understand why... I don't understand what the GRC has done. It feels like the GRC has done something. They were sitting on those supplies, six months worth of supplies, and not distributing them. That's that's bad. That's unequivocally bad. So I totally with the Flag Smashers there on they shouldn't be doing that. They're hungry people over here who are displaced and need these supplies. So yeah, and that, and that point, go Flag Smashers. Then she blows up that car bomb, kills the people that were still in the building. Her partner seems shocked and appalled by this because it doesn't look like that's what he signed up for. I mean, a lot of people don't look at themselves as terrorists when they join groups like this. But that, but it looks like that maybe that was not the original M.O. of the Flag Smashers. It really was a Robin Hood thing. And it's like if Robin Hood, instead of robbing from the rich and giving to the poor, blew up the castle. And then, you know, gave to the poor, I guess. I don't know. But but little John's over the side going, what the hell, man? This metaphor got a little uh, a little weird, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, so well, I don't understand why the GRC is hoarding supplies. I don't understand how people were displaced. It feels like the Flag Smashers believe they've been wronged. And it looks like people have been wronged. But I don't understand how. I don't know where my sympathies are supposed to lie. I don't know if this is a both sidesy kind of thing where, oh, maybe, maybe the Flag Smashers and the GRC are both wrong. Because, like, we get that commercial of the GRC at the beginning that should have starred the man and the, and the lady from WandaVision, but it didn't. And then we cut right to them with their big armored police van. So it's like, all right, there's definitely some sort of militarized aspect to this organization that there shouldn't be but i don't know because i don't understand them i don't i don't i'm still not even sure how it ties in with i mean sam and bucky are after them because of the super soldier serum and and, i don't know it it just is not coming together for me and maybe by the end of all six episodes i'll go oh i get it now but it is just i don't make it a mystery for the sake of the mystery if you're going to There's good confusion and bad confusion. There's confusion that's like, oh, what's going to happen next? Oh, this new wrinkle changes how I've looked at things. And there's confusion that's like, I feel like you're not telling me something that I'm supposed to be knowing right now. And that's where I'm at with this. Yep. 
Am I the asshole for stealing hoarded supplies and blowing up a building? You're both the asshole. <laughs> yeah. No, I, who was it that said, which of you earlier said they're explaining too much and they're explaining the wrong things? No, that yeah, was that's me what, because this yes, is what I was thinking Yes, that's what this of. is. That's exactly what this is. I, yeah, I don't know. It feels like they're supposed to, like they're writing as though we're supposed to just accept what's happening here without questions. Like, but no, hold on. I do, I do have questions. Makes me think they wanted us to be in a gray area though. I can't really expand upon that any further. It just like, why else over three episodes would they keep the flag smashers in this weird gray area? Because we want to think because of this scene at the very end that we should start to sway the, Oh, maybe I thought they were doing the right thing, but she just blew up a building, but we, but we don't know enough. (laughs) We still don't know enough. Yeah. But again, for me, it just comes down to, you can have a moral gray area that's interesting and engaging, mm-hmm. but right now it's gray for me because it's just complicated and confusing and not, and I don't understand it. I would love to be engaging with this on a philosophical level of, oh, who's really in the wrong here? Who's in the right? And what's what's the moral, you know, right. or what what is the moral imperative we should be following here? But I can't get a grasp on that because I'm just so confused by the motivations of everyone involved right because we still don't have a complete picture mm-hmm. because yeah. of the six episode movie format thing mm-hmm. and we're dragging it out this way on purpose we don't have a complete picture so we can't speculate on the motivations or do anything like that we, we can try but it, it doesn't make any sense because we don't have all the information yet we're the the yeah. mystery machine we're running around but we don't have all the clues and it's all these hallways look the same and it's also kind of like when we get that complete picture my mind might change on this but if they're going for what peach thinks which i think is correct if they're going for what he thinks of we're looking for these morally gray villains who are really more like what happens in the real world with a lot of terrorism like absolutely you they something pushes them to a point that is not good um but the thing that pushed them point was itself not good uh, that, yeah, one person's terrorist is another person's exactly, exactly, and I think that's what they're go- going for. As Peach said, as you say, Sound Lord, I think they are not. They're making it too confusing, though, if that's what they're going for. And I'll also go as far as I also think that this show is not earning that level of philosophical question, and, and that's kind of a weird thing to say, but I think it's it is not that kind of show otherwise. And you've got to figure out what is your tone. Is your tone a a summer blockbuster split up over six episodes? Or is your tone a philosophical question about the morality of how we treat, um, how we create danger from how we treat the lesser people, the the people who are in a less privileged position in society? That's an interesting question. Um, This show is not really making me think that it's that kind of show. And it's yet another thing that's jarring. Our tone is deep and philosophical and our tone is summer blockbuster no you are one or the other you are not both i i just remembered hayward's line in wandavision you people who who vanished you don't know what it was like mm-hmm. i understand him more than understand the flag smash it looks like they're coming from the same place yes man i feel bad i feel so mean <laughs> zemo bucky and sam travel to riga following up on a lead of a connection to morgenthau who recently died uh, of tuberculosis in a rep- repatriation camp. Bucky leaves the group behind to investigate tracking devices left on the ground. 
And in Allie, he says, I was wondering you were going to show up. And finds Ayo of the Wakandan Dora Milaje. She tells him, I am here for Zemo. The second I watched this scene, I was like, this was supposed to be Black Panther. Oh. Just like the second I watched it, I was like, this is exactly what this was supposed to be leading up to. And it like would have fit so perfect. And it just made me so, so sad. I, I didn't feel that. I mean, I'm sad. I mean, I always get whenever 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 reminds me of Wakanda and Black Panther, I get sad because that, that we're not getting more of that character because I love that character. But I did not get the sense that it was going to be Black Panther. It makes to me it made sense that he would send Adora Milaje out to investigate this while he's, you know, he's just come back from being blipped and he's got to figure out he's got to get Wakanda back in order. I, I it didn't strike me as the kind of thing that he would have gone out to do personally, but. Maybe I'm wrong. I think that if the man who killed his dad was suddenly free walking the streets again, that's something he would show up personally for. Not only was he free, but he was with a guy that he has a lot of specific history with because he was chasing after Bucky for a long time. Then he took Bucky in. He became the White Wolf. Why is the White Wolf helping the guy that blew up the building my dad was in? Maybe I want to see it as personally. Yeah, I'm with all that. My only, my only question is more of a how the sausage is made um, question of were they going to have Chadwick? Was Chadwick Boseman going to be in a um, in one or two episodes of a Disney Plus? John Cheadle was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're quite possibly correct. Um, and also, there's there's maybe a chance that maybe. Because a lot of this was filmed before the pandemic started, there is a chance that maybe we will still get T'Challa, Oof. and it will be a heartbreaking surprise for us. I would sob openly. I yeah. would not yeah. be able to handle that, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with Soundlord. Everything, everything Wakanda now makes me sad. And when I got to Eduardo writing this in notes, because it had not occurred to me. But I, I think I might agree with you now. And even if I disagree with you, the thought enough is a gut punch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, even if that wasn't even supposed to be him in the scene, because yeah. Wakanda is involved, he would have shown up at some point, right? Like, we don't just have Wakandan envoys come and not show t'challa yeah, right? you feel you feel like he's gonna play some kind of role somewhere along the right line. absolutely with yeah, all so. of the characters and it felt like this is building up possibly to him showing yeah yep yeah i didn't think he would be the first one there but i could see oh yep. man yep it's so it's such an absolute tragedy chadwick boseman I mean, it's so crazy so i'm not there's no i am an unabashed Black Panther fan. I think that's not an unpopular opinion. In my opinion, Black Panther is the best MCU has ever done, and I don't think they're ever going to ever do it again. One, because we just don't have Chadwick Boseman anymore. We don't have that strong central figure to kind of anchor that type of story anymore, and it's an absolute tragedy. Damn. Yeah. Well, that Ben and Jerry's in the freezers looking mighty good right now. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, at the very least, I hope that, you know, 
he'd be proud of what, what they're doing forward with Wakanda and what they're doing forward with all these stories for um, that are inspiring black children and that, you know, we can kind of keep moving forward um, in his absence. And I think he would, I think he would appreciate that. Yeah. I know I'm looking forward to the announce that we're getting a Wakanda TV series for Disney plus down the line. Yeah. And that's going to be, I'm, I'm real excited yeah, about that. Absolutely. But, but yeah, it's what a loss and, and not just for Marvel. Too. No, absolutely I mean, not. I mean, he's probably going to win an Oscar this year. Uh, and he probably would have, even if he hadn't died. I know that people sometimes wonder when someone wins a posthumous award, if people are like, Oh, this is our last chance, but I've heard nothing, but and I got to watch it. It's on Netflix is his movie. What uh, is it? It's called Mal Rainey's Black Bottom. Interesting. Yeah, it's uh, it's ba- based on a true story. It's set like in the twenties or thirties, the Jazz Age, and uh, it. I've I've heard nothing but great things about him, so I'm, I I really want to try to watch that sometime in the next week or two. Man, what a sad way to end the episode. Yeah, right. But it's kind of how I felt at the end of watching the episode. I just felt sad. Yeah. <laughs> partially because I didn't like the episode, and partially because I miss Chadwick Boseman. Got you with the one two. I mean, and it's like. Chadwick Boseman was so great that while he was battling his own cancer, he was like going to hospitals and visiting children with cancer and trying to bring light into their lives when mm-hmm. he was battling with all this himself. It's incredible. Like, absolutely incredible. Absolute, like, class act. Absolute one of the the greatest to ever be part of the MCU or just kind of like just one of the greatest people ever. Like, it just, it's an absolute shame. All right, well, hopes and predictions for our next episode, guys. Oh. <laughs> there is no hope. All hope is dead. Uh, Chris, we'll start with you. All I wrote in the notes was Wakanda forever. <laughs> I'm just excited to see how that plays in. Robbie, what do you got? I don't know. I, I, I just don't know, and not from a mystery box standpoint. Just from a, like... I don't know. Maybe I'm just not thinking about it, but... Um... I just really hope that we have more of what episode two was, but plus Zemo. That's the show. Episode two was great. It was great because we had some, some MCU action, plus some, some Bucky and Sam. When we had Zemo with them in this episode, it was also fantastic. So I, I think, and I think we will get more of that. Eduardo keeps saying the whole will be better than the sum of the parts, and I think he's right. Um, but now I am worried about, am I going to like my appointment television on Friday? Eduardo? Yeah, I don't know if I'm necessarily worried if I'm going to like my appointment television. It's more of, I'm not excited for my appointment television. Like, I'm yeah. not worried that it's going to be necessarily good or bad. I'm just like, I'm not like looking forward to it. Like, when it gets here, it gets here, and that's cool. But it's not like, I'm not like burning with anticipation. To be honest, I'm more excited for Invincible every Friday right now than I am for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And that's not, I mean, that's to Invincible's credit, because the show has been gripping me so far. Um so I hope the show can, I don't want to use the term turn it around, but it just feels like it's appropriate right now. I hope they can kind of turn it around when it comes to my attention to it and my enjoyment level of it to kind of get into a a, a better headspace. Uh, Peach, what about you? Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm, I'm mostly overall just hoping that the last three episodes, because we're already halfway through, whoa. Um, I'm hoping that the last three episodes go back to what, the second episode did for me. Um, I, uh, 
yeah, I want more of that fun, witty banter between the characters that we like that got paired up that maybe never should have been paired up, but that's, you know, Chris loves his character pairings and that's what, that's what we like about this show. The social commentary, the, you know, Marvel putting their opinions in on that kind of stuff and and that sort of thing. I I missed that in this episode. Um, So I'm hoping for more. I assume we're not going to wait too much longer for Power Broker. We'll see if the Sharon thing is completely cuckoo bananas. Um, or if it's somebody that we just never even met. And then, yeah, also curious to see how big of a slice of this pie uh, Wakanda ends up taking. Is it just going to be like a, hey, I'm I'm from the Dora Milaje and I showed up. What the hell are you doing with Zemo? Nothing. Don't worry about it. Okay, bye. Is it going to be that or is it going to be more in-depth? I would I, be I upset if it was... Mm-hmm. Not in depth. Like I don't mm-hmm. think you bring Wakanda into this until unless you're really gonna bring Wakanda into this. Mm-hmm. I think you're probably right, but if they drop off their social commentary for the rest of the show like we thought they weren't gonna do after the second episode, they might do the same thing with Wakanda. So we'll see. I I almost because of the way that we're feeling about this, I almost want to drop my expectations completely. And just wait and see what shows up because uh, I don't want to hope for something that is impossible to achieve. If that makes any sense. Absolutely. Ratings. Robbie, what are you going to rate episode three? I am so sorry. I am giving episode three four unfinished Scooby-Doo episodes out of ten. <laughs> Damn. Chris? I'm going to go ahead and give it seven snake gut cocktails out of ten. How about you, Peaches? What do you guys think the plural of meatware is? Is it meatware or meatwares? Meatware eye. Meatware eye. Okay, six and a half meatware eye out of ten. <laughs> yeah, I think my rating did drop as we talked about this. Uh, so I'm going to give it seven Zemo fist pumps out of ten. Like, I, I liked the episode as a whole because it was just very clearly marvel it was very clearly like captain america e right like if there was ever a captain america series it would look similar to this it'd be very you know it was very heisty i liked a lot of the elements it, i just thought the execution just it missed the mark one too many times in this episode it's almost like you found a like a fly in your soup like you went to a really fancy restaurant, you got a really great bowl of soup you've been looking forward to forever, and then there's a bug in right. it. Right, it's like that a one, soup the, that you've had several thing. times before. It's like your yeah. favorite thing to order at this restaurant. You or, you don't order anything else, and you finally get this soup that you were so excited for, and then there's a fly in it. And you're going to keep eating because you paid for the soup, and they're not going to give you another one, even though you would ask for another soup. But for this analogy, you're just going to eat. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Lunch. I would just quietly eat the soup, sadly. <laughs> yeah same <laughs> there are two kinds of dang it us <laughs> well so what would actually happen is my wife would say something on my behalf about the soup and get me a new soup and i would sit there mortified not that my wife is a lovely person taking care of me but mortified that i didn't stop her from speaking up about the injustice that really <laughs> she should have spoken up about dang Well, that's going to do it for all of us here on this episode. I have a feeling that our opinions are going to be a little divisive uh, to some of our listeners. I am sure there are some of you that enjoyed this episode more than we did. And if you did, 
send us an email, assemblyrequiredcast at gmail.com, or tweet at us at assemblycast. You can follow us all individually, PhilKid3 for Robbie, GatorSax2010 for Christy, underscore Peaches for Peaches, and ABCD Eduardo one for myself. Uh, give us all those opinions. Let us know what you're thinking. Also, just thank you for listening. Thank you for being here with us. The The engagement and the amount of listeners on this podcast has kind of exploded. Uh, people are listening more to this than they ever have before, and we are so absolutely uh, grateful to each and every one of you that take the time out of your day to listen to uh, a bunch of nerds ramble on about Marvel uh properties so thank you again but that's gonna do it for myself for peaches for robbie for chris we love you 3000 bye everybody excelsior hail hydra bubbly bubbly In fact, let's try actually recording. Yeah, let's oh, do that. Oh, snap. Let's get this puppy getting... on the road. Whoa. I feel New like computer. it's like a game show. Instead of move that bus. <laughs> puppy on the road. <laughs> <laughs> Don't move that bus. <laughs> <laughs> Be cognizant of the puppy bus. I want to ride a puppy bus.